A new documentary argues that the death of George Floyd was exploited to eradicate law and order, to defund the police, and to leave America's streets and courtrooms in chaos. So why did Pope Francis call these guys Good Samaritans? Plus, the World Health Organization's Pandemic Preparedness Treaty is scheduled to detonate in May of 2024. But will America survive this next phase of the globalist revolution? The good news? The entire continent of Africa is standing against globalism's war on Christian morality. And a Catholic father shows the world the face of Jesus Christ when he tries to save the soul of the man who shot and killed his son. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Michael Matt. This is the Remnant Underground. God bless the bishops down in Africa. Now, it's official. Pretty much the entire continent is resisting our globalist pope to his face. Thanks be to God. Blessings to couples in same-sex relationships will not be offered in Africa and Madagascar, as expressed in this statement. Cardinal Besungu is the president of SECOM, an organization that brings together the bishops' conferences of Africa and Madagascar. He explains that the bishops prefer not to carry out these same-sex blessings allowed by the Vatican Declaration Fiducia Supplicans because of potential confusion and scandal. Of course, fiducia supplicants is not about gay marriage. Guys like Jimmy Martin keep running out to tell us it's not about gay marriage. Well, nobody ever said it was. That's a straw man argument. And they're just throwing it out there so they can seem so orthodox, like they always do. Duh, nobody ever said this was about marriage. Not yet. <laughs> what this is about, friends, pay attention to this, because this is what it is. It's about papal blessing now and let's define the word blessing as approval, okay? It's a papal approval of the same-sex thing. We saw this in the movie Francesco, right, where he tells the, the, the homosexual couple, bring your kids to church. The community is going to have to get used to it. It's best for the kids, right? What they want is for the world to know that the, that the, the Church of Francis has officially stepped away from her own dogma with respect to this sin, which Christ to heaven for vengeance. It's kind of like in The Godfather, right? Well, hear me out. That sounds crazy to go to this movie. But if you remember the old movie, several times during the course of that film, people go to The Godfather for what? For his blessing. <laughs> well, Don Corleone is not a priest. No, it's not sacramental. He's not blessing a marriage. He's giving his blessing as in approval. Well, Michael is now head of the family, and if he gives his permission, then do you have my blessing? Did you catch that? You have my blessing. You have my approval. So yeah, Father Jimmy Martin, we get it. It's not a ritual blessing. It's not a sacramental blessing. It's much bigger than that. This is the blessing of approval coming from the world's most recognized moral authority for a sin that cries to heaven for vengeance. It's the only way. It's the only takeaway. And that's exactly what they want. That's the message that the world is getting from this. Why? because that's the message that Pope Francis is sending. I think this is a good step on the road to equality for our community in the church, which I think 
really comes because so many people responded with how hurt they were and how excluded they felt. And it is the first time that this has happened. Uh, and so yesterday I couldn't bless same-sex couples in any sort of public setting. And today with certain limitations, I can. So these post planners now, they're either too stupid, and I don't mean that to be unterrible, maybe they're just they're so dumbed down. Let's not forget, we're talking about four or five generations now of dumbed down Catholics. These kids out there on YouTube, they didn't even have a Catholic education. It was impossible. They're too young. They don't know what's going on here. They don't have the sense as Catholicus to understand why it's so important to resist. They don't realize what's going on here and what's been going on for a long time. Old guys like us have been in the trenches for a long time. We've seen this happen again and again and again. We know what they're doing. So Vatican II, for example, never approved so-called universal salvationism, did it? But when's the last time you heard a bishop or your local Novus Ordo priest say anything about the necessity of being Catholic in order to be saved? They don't talk that way anymore, do they? Vatican II never abolished Latin in the Mass. So what happened to Latin in the Mass? The Vatican never approved divorce. They just blessed the worldwide annulment industry by giving it approval, you see? And voila, Catholics now the world over are getting divorced at pretty much the same rate as non-Catholics. We just call it annulment. <laughs> it's called the conciliar modus operandi, friends. That's, what they, that's how they do it. That's how they've been doing it for a long time. So now the church is out there giving blessings, approval, for people who are involved in the worst, in the very worst sins, who say nothing about wanting repent, to, to repent or reform their lives. You're just getting a blessing as someone who's in one of these unions. We're going to do that. Well, what sin are we going to retain? Which sins are we going to retain? And the Africans are saying, no, it's not true. You don't get to do whatever you want morally. You don't get to live in whatever immoral lifestyle you want to because it feels good. You see? And that's why this time, the entire Catholic Church in Africa told these modernists running the church in Rome to pound sand. And friends, as we've been saying now for the past two shows, and everybody should be on board with this, this is huge. This is monumental. It's going to have ramifications for all of us for a long time. It's going to have ramifications at the next conclave as well. And Francis knows it. So damage control from the Vatican at this point, it doesn't matter. Unless they recall this diabolical document, it doesn't matter what they say to try to control the damage they've done. And you know, this thing with Africa, not only Africa, Hungarian, Poles, Kazakhstani bishops, bishops all over the world, individual bishops, priests all over the world. It couldn't come at a better time, friends, since Francis, who I think by now we all admit his chief order of business is to promote globalism, the globalist agenda, right? Francis and his globalist friends right now are getting ready for what I would call a COVID lockdown rematch. They lost the last time around, and they want another crack at it. The global pandemic treaty is such a threat to our sovereignty, looming ominously on the horizon together with the amendments to the international health regulations, which will fundamentally, if they're passed through our parliaments, alter the relationship between the citizens and the state. The WHO would paint an illusion of uh, nation states coming together to fight deadly pathogens when it's really, as we've already heard, a power grab by an unaccountable elite.
Now this is coming up in May. <laughs> They're going to be able to tell the world what is fake news, what is not fake news, based on what is settled science. And we all know how well they did the last time when it came to settled science, right? Fauci's out there right now saying, oh, well, I guess six feet uh, distance between each other. I guess that wasn't based in science. Can you believe this? Did you hear that's what he did? Dr. Anthony Fauci told lawmakers that guidelines to keep six feet apart with the goal of limiting the spread of COVID-19, quote, sort of just appeared and was not based on science or any data. <laughs> Good morning. Good you, what Kelly. is your reaction to this? Good morning and happy new year to both of you. Um, I, what I have to say is this, of all of the fraud that was perpetrated during the pandemic, of all the lies that were told, of the abject stupidity, um, the made up construct of social distancing was perhaps the worst. And anyone who had any understanding of respiratory viruses or the transmission of respiratory and airborne viruses should have known that. And, and now the World Health Organization is going to come out what before were recommendations for what to do during a pandemic. Now they're going to be able to enforce it in after May if this thing gets, gets voted in by the member states. This is really serious. Because these are idiots. These are the these are the, the the lunatics running the asylum who now want to have their will trump sovereignty of us all. Anyhow, we have to prepare for the next pandemic, because it's uh, scientifically certain there will be further pandemics. So what I hope now is that we draw all the lessons from this pandemic and that we are better prepared next time. So they're going to come and say though, about a show like this: the science is settled. And if you question the science on whatever the next cockamamie pandemic is they come up with, you're gonna, I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be shut down. I have no idea. But it's not going to be Zuckerberg shutting us down or Elon Musk over at, at X. It's not going to be YouTube. It's going to be the World Health Organization. How are they going to enforce that? Well, that's going to be fun to find out, isn't it? In order to be better prepared in the future, we must strengthen the World Health Organization and its coordinating role. We need more local production of vaccines against COVID. Germany is currently investing more than 500 million euro to expand local vaccine and medical manufacturing in Africa. Finally, we need ongoing support to build resilient healthcare systems. This is where President Biden's initiative comes in. We support your proposal, dear Joe, to set up a new fund for pandemic preparedness at the World Bank, operating in close coordination and cooperation with the WHO. This World Health Organization treaty may not pass, but guess what? It's up to us. People are waking up. At least I think they are. I see. I, I, I know that, that poor guy. He's, he's, he's hiding his own Easter baskets, probably. But it's not an anomaly. You've all seen it. I still see them out driving around in their cars by themselves, wearing their little face masks, as our, as our guy Greg Moreska said over at RendonNewspaper.com. When you're doing that, when you're in your car, you're wearing a mask, you're by yourself, the Biden 2024 bumper sticker is simply redundant. It's not necessary. So have they learned anything? That's the big question. Have we learned anything from what just happened, from what these people did to us? 
Because at the moment, here in Minnesota, this is all over Facebook feeds. Honey, let's go get vaccinated. I guess uh, something bad might happen if we don't. So how many people have figured it out, do you suppose? Well, here's the thing, friends. Everybody's talking 2024 is a scary year. I think between now and May, we are going to find out how many people have figured it out. And if we, if we haven't, if a majority haven't figured it out, then it's almost like, well, I guess we just have to go through this chastisement, just nature weeding out the stupid at this point. And the thing to keep in mind, friends, is where I always go back to, you know, what's the point of fighting back? Well, there's every reason to fight back right now. You know, keep in mind, we all have to keep in mind, as we now approach this WHO nightmare treaty in May, keep in mind that the only reason you're not wearing your mask right now in your car by yourself, the only reason you're not walking around with an IV stand full of booster hooked up to your arm everywhere you go so you can get boosters every few seconds, the only reason that you're not that warped in the head is because too many people spoke out. So I call the force that we're up against Goliath, just so I kind of remember what the battle is. Goliath made a terrible mistake, and it made it most egregiously during COVID, which is it took all of the competent people, took all of the courageous people, and it shoved them out of the institutions where they were hanging on. And it created in so doing, the dream team created every player you could possibly want on your team to fight some historic battle against a terrible evil. All of those people are now at least somewhat awake. They've now been picked on by the same enemy. And yeah, all right, we're outgunned. It has a tremendous amount of power, but, but we've got all of the people who know how to think. So I hate to say it, or maybe I like to say it, but I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I like our odds. Now, I like our odds too, but don't forget, part of this treaty, as I just said, part of this WHO treaty is to say that anyone questions the settled science is going to be in violation of international law. You see, so they're, they're concerned about the pushback, and that's the good thing. That's what Traditionis Custodis here in the Catholic Church was all about too, by the way. We put the globalist elites we're running the Vatican right now. We put them all on notice and they responded like this. This is the traditional Latin mass, also known as the extraordinary form of the mass since it isn't common to see it in most Catholic churches. It's happening inside a small country parish in Benedict, Maryland. But the Catholic families here won't be able to fill these pews and worship like this much longer. We've been so grateful to have this parish and we're very sad to see what's happening. Soon, Sarah Buck, her husband Josh, and their five children, along with all their fellow parishioners at St. Francis de Sales Church, will have to go elsewhere if they want to attend the traditional Latin Mass. We just can't leave. I mean, it's been beautiful. We've always been very um, Catholic in the, in the traditional sense. On September 21st, the Archdiocese of Washington covering the District of Columbia and parts of Maryland will officially implement restrictions placed on the extraordinary form of the Mass, following new rules set forth last year by Pope Francis. 
Now that's an act of, of aggression. That's that's an that's an act of a tyrant who's afraid of the people, right? Who's afraid of what's happening. He can't control it. Therefore, he has to try to force it using raw power to stop it because he's not going to stop us through intimidation or seduction, right? And now the globalists in the political order, they're also responding to those who will not sit back uh, while they try to lock us all down again. We continue to see misinformation on social media and in mainstream media about the pandemic accord that countries are now negotiating. The claim that the accord will cede power to WHO is quite simply false. It's fake news. Countries will decide what the accord says and countries alone. And countries will implement the accord in line with their own national laws. No country will cede any sovereignty to WHO. That is <laughs> now spreading. That is comforting. Um, well, on the one hand, I must say I had not seen that. And um, it is tremendously good news, actually. What it means is that once again, we have managed to raise awareness of something in time that there is uh, conceivably a better outcome still available to us. So they're spooked enough to bother to lie about there's, it. There's, you couldn't have said it uh, more accurately. Yes, th th those were clearly lies. So one of the things that we can do, obviously, as we just pointed out, one of the things that stopped it the first time around was alternative news, independent journalism. Yeah, they played a huge role, a huge role. And the thing, the thing that they can't control, and this is the, the, the other beautiful part about being Christian, about being human, about being free, this is the stuff that our opponents, including Francis, do not understand. They had all this power. They have all this technology. They think everyone's going to be so impressed, either impressed or terrified. Either way, you're going to jump in line and do what you're told. But think back on some of the examples of what we saw. What happened up in Canada, for example, that they never, ever anticipated? The gigantic heart of humanity on display in big 250-pound truckers driving across Canada who'd had enough. I remember seeing those video clips, this big guy is reading a note from a little child who had left him a note and left him a cookie. And he's, he's trying to exp express how grateful he was to this kid who'd given him a cookie for driving his truck and for trying to save her family. He starts crying, right? That's what changed it last time around. Humanity changed it. The thing the Klaus Schwab's and Bill Gates nerds of this world have no conception of, no appreciation for, because they don't have hearts. <laughs> they really don't. That's the thing. That's our little ace in the hole, leaving apart the religious, the spiritual part, the God thing. There's also the human thing. That's why we say don't give up, because we've got that in spades. So alternative news, yes. The other thing is, of course, stay connected. Stay connected, do whatever you can. And on this show, I'm proud to say we have an alternative. We have an alternative news source right here. Subscribe to this newspaper, the Remnant newspaper, the oldest traditional Catholic newspaper in the world. I can send you this thing in a white envelope. Nobody even has to know you're getting it. Comes off a web press. This is newsprint, friends. You may have seen pictures. It doesn't need to be charged. It can't be tracked. It can't be used to surveil you. It comes off a web press. We'll throw some of that up on the screen right now, just like in the old days. And guess what that means? That means it's off the grid. Again, can't be tracked. 
Can't be used to keep track of you and your family and your friends. So you can keep informed, keep your thoughts your own, and stay in touch. Please consider subscribing to this paper early in 2024, not late, because we don't know what's going to be happening at that point. Subscribe to alternative news sources like ours, The Remnant. Okay? No matter what, we can stay together. Because the thing is, Yes, we stay hopeful. Yes, there's every reason to stay hopeful. Yes, there are good things happening. Yes, there are millions and millions and millions of us. But we're running out of time, aren't we? Because the enemy is getting desperate. Now, Francis, the globalist, what's he doing right now? He's doing what all the globalists are doing in their various departments of the old order, of the way things used to be. He is turning the world's most recognized moral authority, spiritual guide, spiritual leaders... He is turning the Catholic Church inside out. And it's very important to understand, he's not doing this by accident. Um, you know, we're watching our governmental structures and every one of our institutions captured, hollowed out, turned into a, a paradoxical inversion of what it was designed to do. That's not an accident. Whether they, you know, the, the thing that worries me most, actually, is that whatever is driving this is not composed of diabolical geniuses who at least have some plan for the future, but it's being driven by people who actually do not know what kind of hell they are inviting. Yes. They are going to create a kind of chaos from which uh, humanity may well not emerge. No. Does that sound familiar? It should. Because Team Francis is doing the exact same thing. They are creating chaos from which, from which humanity may or may not emerge. We're going to wait and see. And that's why, friends, I believe that as a man, baptized Catholic, lifelong Catholic, my first order of business, according to my conscience, is to resist this Pope to his face, whatever he is. That's what I have to do. He must be stopped. He must, the world must see that Catholics are resisting. That's why I'm so excited about the Africans, and I'm so, so excited I'm standing with them. In fact, I'm going to go to Africa on pilgrimage in order to show my solidarity, more on that next week, with what the African Catholics are doing. Those are our brothers, right? And people say, well, okay, you're going to resist the Pope, but man, you gotta, you got to make sure you're respectful. And I say, but what does that even mean? Am I going to be respectful in how I oppose him? Honestly, it's not the top priority anymore. I'm just a guy. I'm just a political science journalist guy. I'm not a theologian. But I do know this. Dante, the great poet, medieval poet, he wrote the bad popes of his days. He wrote them into the deepest pits of hell. Do you remember? In the Inferno? Michelangelo painted them in the Sistine Chapel. Painted them in hell. Savonarola, the great Dominican reformer of the 15th century, he wrote letters to the kings of France, England, Spain, Hungary, the emperor of Germany, pleading with them to call an ecclesiastical council to depose Pope Alexander VI for his abuse of power. You see? Savonarola resisted the Pope of his day to his face. People say, oh, look at you, man. You're setting up to, I mean, Savonarola, he, uh, he's the one that made Martin Luther think he could. No, no, no. Savonarola didn't oppose the papacy, never, not once. 
He opposed the clown who was sitting in the chair of St. Peter at the time. And I think maybe we need to get back to that sort of human part of the, of the, of the church. The church has a divine element, the church has a human element. And the human element can get really messed up. It has in the past, and it is right now. And Savonarola, by the way, back in a more normal time, where we weren't, we, we, we weren't behaving this way, as though the Pope is Christ rather than the Vicar of Christ, as though the Pope can never sin, although the Pope, as if the Pope can never go to hell. This is a new, this is an anomaly, this is a new thing. That's not the way it was in the Middle Ages. So consequently, Savonarola, a guy like that, was venerated almost as, as a saint by St. Philip Neri, by St. Catherine Ricci, by St. John Fisher, by St. Pius V, by St. Pius X, who said, no, he was right to go after an evil pope, a pope who was corrupt in his day. What we have to remember, friends, and these discussions are, I'm not telling you I got it nailed and my, my take is perfect. I'm just telling you how I look at it, how I see it, you know, as a guy who's been in this for a long time. What you have to remember when you get overly concerned about, don't forget, don't, uh, you must be respectful of Francis. Don't forget this. Francis is not making innocent mistakes that require our patient and respectful correction. Oh, Holy Father, I think maybe you made a little mistake there. That's not what this is about. Remember, he came in saying he was going to permanently alter and change and destroy the church as she had always been. He's the Obama of the papacy. Remember, Obama's going to wreck this country, change, so he'll never be changed back. That's what Francis is doing to the Catholic Church. His pontificate, therefore, is wholly corrupt. You see? He's at war with natural law. He doesn't need correction. <laughs> he needs to be resisted to his face. Every single time Francis speaks lately, he takes up with the enemies of God. I'll give you an example. My city, poor, poor Minneapolis, has become a city uh, unrecognizable to those who grew up here. The city has been destroyed. I don't recognize it since the George, George Floyd ordeal. It was obviously just uh, uh, the biggest piece of fake news uh, that any of us have ever lived through, probably uh, apart from COVID, the whole Floyd thing. But now consequently, because the media and the politicians and everybody else took that political football and ran with it all around the world, nobody is safe, not just here in Minneapolis, but all over the world. So first, using that one incident, they were so happy because of the graphics that they got, they were so happy that they were able to use that to defund the police, right? And now they're trying to find ways to, ironically enough, protect the judges in courts of law. Overnight, a judge attacked in a Nevada courtroom. So what you have there, friends, is a snapshot. A snapshot of law and order in America, which has only gotten exponentially worse since the peaceful protesters and the media told the war, the whole world, that law and order is racist. You see, that, again, that was one of those incidents, like the assassination of the Archduke in Sarajevo, that tipped off something much bigger. We're gonna, we're gonna do a show on this, and what's happening to this town, specifically, this was the epicenter, and what's happening to law and order all around the world because of it.
I do hear that the mayor talks that crime is down. Crime is down. Crime is down. Say it with me. Crime is down. I often wonder if we're looking at the same city. Overall, crime is way up. Give me the keys. Give me your money. Everything. Keys. Everything. Everything. <laughs> How they ignore that or don't pay attention to that is beyond me. It's just another example of why we're in this situation we're in now. Can you even keep up? No. And if you watch this, this documentary and you see the massive miscarriage of justice, the lies that went on, you know, we all watched it happen in real time. And you realize we have become nearly or maybe even already ungovernable because there is no moral code on which to base what happens in courts of law or on the streets of our world anymore. Shaven is in the courtroom, but America's on trial. Right. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's death did. But you know what? You expect that from Nancy Pelosi and the Reverend and guys like guys like Joe Biden. But there was one more voice that I would have placed, actually, if I had made this documentary, I would have pushed, put this guy at the top of the list. ¿Saben lo que me viene a la mente a mí ahora, junto a los movimientos populares, cuando pienso en el buen samaritano? ¿Saben lo que me viene a la mente? Las protestas por la muerte de George Floyd. Just think about that. Popes rarely comment on something like that. Francis did it several times and just jumped into to an international news story. He wasn't here. He's was thousands of miles away. He didn't know what was going on. Hardly anybody did, right? But the Pope decided he was going to come in and choose, choose a side. You know, we thought at the time that the peaceful protesters had burned our city. But the, the Holy Father informed the whole world that good Samaritans had burned our city, had <laughs> burned down the third precinct police station, as again, as you see in this documentary, as such an emblem or a symbol of burning down law and order in our world, in the modern world. One of the squads rams through the fence to get it open. I remember looking through the rearview mirror as we left. It looked like a zombie movie. They all just rushed to the fence and started climbing the fence, and they caused the fences to collapse, and then they just all rushed the person. And as we were driving down the line, every window got broken out of the squad car, driving the gauntlet down snowy. Can you even believe this is happening in that moment? Never seen anything like it. And the Pope comes out, calls those people good Samaritans. Por el estilo. Pero lo esencial es que ahí, en esa manifestación contra esa muerte, 
estaba el samaritano colectivo, que no era ningún bobeta. Ese movimiento no pasó de largo cuando vio la herida de la dignidad humana golpeada por semejante abuso de poder. Los movimientos populares son, además de poetas sociales, samaritanos colectivos. You see why resisting him is the top priority? About one year later, Francis was out there telling the world that everybody, including kids, had to be vaccinated. Vacunarse es un modo sencillo, pero profundo, de promover el bien común y de cuidarnos unos a otros, especialmente los más vulnerables. Now that we know, two things, now that we're facing, again, the rematch, the COVID rematch, headed up by the World Health Organization coming in May with this treaty, and now that we know what we know, which I can't talk about because at least some of you are watching me on YouTube sometimes, now that we know all that, does Francis get to get away with what he did? Is he okay with you? Think it was fine what he did? He's not a scientist. He's not a doctor. What's he doing? Why did he involve himself right away like he did in that, which has resulted was just in, in tragedies all around the world. Let's leave it at that, considering YouTube is watching. Now, serious question. Don't let it be somebody else's kids, somebody else's babies and grandbabies that you allow them to uh, forcibly jab in your mind, like right now. Make it your little kid. Make it your little grandchild, the one that you love so much. And you realize that these guys are sending people like Bill Gates after your little children and your little grandchildren with their needles. <laughs> right? That's bad enough. Let's do another little thought experiment. Given what we now see happening throughout the whole world with the Pope himself no longer backing us up if we take the stand in favor of Bible-based morality, given what we know, project yourself a few years ahead, a couple years from now, and where do you think you're going to stand on gay marriage? Let's say one of your nieces or nephews decides that they're, uh, they're going to get married. They're going to have a, a gay union marriage. And you're going to have to skip the wedding, right? You're going to have to be the big bad guy. And everybody in your entire family gets to say, what's wrong with you? Even the Pope accepts this. So I ask the question once again. Two years from now, where are you going to stand on gay marriage? Where are any of us going to be standing if this continues? Pope Francis ushering in a dramatic shift in Vatican policy, formally approving blessings for same-sex couples. The Vatican's doctrine office issued a statement stating that priests can offer the blessings as long as they don't resemble regular church marriage rituals. The move is aimed at making the Catholic Church more inclusive. Pope Francis says people shouldn't be subjected to an exhaustive moral analysis. So all of us now are kind of sitting here, as Alexander Pope said, vice is a monster of so frightful mane, remember? As to be hated, needs but to be seen. Yet seen too oft, familiar with her face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. In the name of mercy, Francis is teaching all of us, teaching the whole world how to embrace a vice that calls to heaven for vengeance. That's what he's doing. 
because he's the moral authority. And he's missing in action <laughs> when it comes to enforcing or even talking about it. He wants to bless it. So when the son of man returns, will he find faith? <laughs> Becomes an interesting question, doesn't it? Was our Lord being rhetorical or was he telling us what he's going to find or not find? When he returns, are we going to still believe? Are we still going to be around? This is why it's so important that we make plans right now to make sure that we still believe that we're still here when this incredible nightmare passes. So every week now, I come out here and I tell you that in the end, God wins. And that if we stay with God, we're going to win too, right? And I believe that with all my heart. But what exactly does that look like? What does victory look like for us? That we're going to go out there and take down the entire new world order with our bare hands, like Chuck Norris or Sylvester Stallone in the movies? Oh, this isn't a movie. This is real life. And the only victory that matters in real life, in the real world for us now, is that we are not deceived when, again, even the Pope has crossed over to the other side. That's victory. How do we do it? Let me just close with a little, a little clip that touched me profoundly. This comes from a guy I, I went to school with out at Christendom College a long time ago. And he reminded all of us of what victory looks like the other day, right? Now, I'm not trying to make this guy endorse my position on anything. I haven't seen him in a long time. He's a good guy. I haven't seen him in a long time, in years. But devastating tragedy befell his family a year or so ago. And because of that tragedy, we all got to see exactly how a real Catholic man deals with this this, this hateful and dark and Christ-free, Christophobic fallen world. Because you know what happened to him? The worst thing you can think of. Somebody shot and killed his adult son, his 20-something-year-old son. Shot him a bunch of times, in fact. Shot him in the head, and for no reason. And I'm going to post a link down here to the entire statement that my friend John Achanis made in court the other day, directly. He made this statement directly to the man who killed his son. It's inspirational beyond words. I challenge you to watch it without tearing up. But for the purpose of tonight's show, I only want to play a little bit. And this is the part that I found to be most impactful to anybody who's trying to make sure that in the end, no matter what happens, no matter how bad things are, you're going to keep the faith. Check this out. John Atonis addressing the man, the villain, the dirtbag that shot and killed his son. And I hope you'll all find healing in the one in whom we can all find peace. Speaking of our Lord Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, he said, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So why not you? I would never stand in the way of more joy in heaven. Because of your grounding in the faith, you know the Our Father, especially those pesky words near the end. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It doesn't say forgive those who are sorry for what they did. Your contrition, the condition of your heart, is your cross to bear. As for me, I forgive you for what you've done. I earnestly desire for you to be with my son Michael in paradise one day. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. 
If the great state of Texas saw fit to accelerate the timeline, that's not my business. I can't speak for anyone else. This is just me talking. And make no mistake, you need to pay for what you've done. And the state of Texas will see to that. I seek justice for your pre premeditated murder. As I said, we can't have the likes of you running around our streets. 40 years, probably out in 20. I know that doesn't seem like justice to me, but along with justice, I seek God's mercy for you. And I pray for your heart to be open to the unconditional love of the Almighty. I have something for you and your family, although I don't know if you'll be able to take it. Uh, I don't know if you're able to take it where you're going, and so I can entrust it to your family as needed. As needed. Um, I mentioned that Michael Rowe wore a blue rosary on his wrist, just like this one. I would like you to have this. And I know even if you you're, even if you can't take this particular rosary with you, you're going to a dark place, and I hope that at least the prayer can be a light in your darkness. I don't know how you make amends for what you've done, but that is what you must do starting today. Well, let's just... Think about that for a moment. Could, could you be that Catholic after something that horrific happened? This guy is trying to save the soul of the man who gunned down his son in cold blood, friends. This is the part, as we fight to survive what's happening, this is the part we can't lose sight of, what it means to be a Christian. Because as soon as we stop being a Christian, we lose. So what we just saw, that's what victory looks like for us. When the world throws everything at you and gives you every human reason in the world to give up, instead you pick yourself up and you follow the one the world crucified first, right? And then we win, if you can do that. If you got the stomach for it, if you got the guts, if you got the faith, hope, and love for it, then, then you win. How do we keep it all together? You stay Catholic no matter what happens. How do we not be deceived when the tribulation now that we face is so great that according to St. Matthew, if it were possible, even the elect will be deceived. So what do we do so to make sure we're not deceived? We pray, we keep the faith, and we resist. There's something inherently Catholic about standing up and resisting to remind yourself what you are, what you believe, right? Resisting is part of this. Talk about unite the clans, of course you're going to unite. I can't understand why anybody would be opposed to this simple idea of uniting the clans. I don't understand. Why would you be opposed to that? That's, that's just a given. That is what a scattered army, or the remnant of an army that's been defeated, that's what they always do after an initial defeat. What do you do? You go around and you look for the survivors. You look for your buddies. You look for the, for the, for the, for the folks that may have survived. And then you band together with them and you resist the occupiers, the enemy force, with everything you've got. Whether we're talking in the church or in the state, that's what you do. Humanity is depending on everybody who has a position from which to see what is taking place, to grapple with what it might mean, to describe it so that the public understands where their interests are. It is depending on us to do what needs to be done if we're to have a chance of delivering a, a planet to our children and our grandchildren that is worthy of them, if we're going to deliver a system that allows them to live meaningful, 
healthy lives, we have to speak up. And of course, he's talking in the state, but it's the same thing. There is no actual separation of church and state. The enemy is the same now, whether we're in the church or the state. The globalist threat is the same. So it's not going to be easy to stand against, but we have to do it. In the church, the incredible, unjust treatment of Bishop Joseph Strickland, guys like Raymond Cardinal Burke now, what was the point of that? The point of that was to intimidate all of us into silence. You speak out, we will crush you. <laughs> and they will. It's the same pattern they've been using all the way back to the days of the early Christians. They use it against the Vandeans in France. They use it against the English martyrs, the Cristeros, the Catholics under the Nazi regime in Germany. Christians living under Soviet totalitarianism. Catholics today living under the regime in China. Right now, here we go. Here we go. A Christophobic regime, world regime, trying to silence everyone everywhere. And you know what's needed now? Martyrs. Not a lot, but a few. At least the spirit of martyrdom, the spirit of, being, of men and women willing to stand up and take a stand for truth no matter what. Now is not the time for silence. And those who do stand up, remember when Cardinal Zen stood up and the whole world was like, I just want to follow him to my death. I want to follow this beautiful Catholic example, Christ-like example, right? It doesn't take that many, but a few that stand up can change this situation. And maybe that's me, maybe it's going to be you. We have to be open to whomever it is. And we need to have the spirit of the martyrs now stand up and resist. Think about what this revolution is doing. They want to pervert your kids, your grandkids. They want to defy your God. <laughs> and now they're still at it. They want to lock you down in their globalist little prison under the guise of keeping you safe and healthy. Now, if that doesn't make you angry, they've already won. Thomas Aquinas said, he who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. <laughs> Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amidst injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. So says the angelic doctor. We've got to fight back, friends. And we're going to. And if a few of us are martyred, praise God, whoever it is, I pray that they're able to make a good showing of it because it could change history and it will change history. And then after that, we keep in mind, there are more of us worldwide than there are of them. The problem is they have an evil religion for which they are willing to die. And if we don't fight back now, we will lose our religion. Then we will lose our lives. Then we will lose our souls. So for the sake of God, say your prayers, unite the clans, Get angry.